This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Continuing this morning on our, on our discussion, on our, our teachings on the purpose of the family. And my portion has been producing a godly seed. So we're going to continue back um, on the purpose of the family. And this, uh, this, this section of teaching is on producing a godly seed. Let's go to our anchor scriptures found in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord has said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred, from thy father's house into a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curseth thee, and in thee all the families of the earth, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. We said that our focus was on that last part, in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And truly we are those that are, that are the, the children of Abraham if we believe in God by faith. And so by us, all of the families of the earth, including our families, should be blessed. God has an intended position. He has an intended design for the family. The call of the family is to produce spiritually and emotionally established believers who in turn get God's redemptive work done in the earth. You know, God put us here for a reason. He didn't put us here just, to, just for idleness. He didn't put us here just to, to aimlessly wander around and try and figure it out for ourselves. But he set us in a specific direction so that we could accomplish his will. And the pattern that he established for that was the family. He, is, he, 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 he instituted the family so that man could get his work done in the earth. It's not outside of that. God, God has put the family in place for a specific reason. So that both of the parents and all of the children would be fruitful. That there would not be anyone that would say that I, I, I've inherited righteousness or I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm grandfathered into righteousness. But each one would have their own personal relationship with the Almighty and that they would bring forth the fruits of righteousness. We said that outside of the purpose of God, that there's really nothing else that you can do in your life that really matters. Outside of God's purpose, there's nothing else that you can do that really matters. But when you're within God's purpose... Everything that you do brings forth fruit. Everything that you do brings forth God's glory, brings forth honor to him. It doesn't matter what position you have. It doesn't matter what possessions you have. It doesn't matter who your husband or who your wife is or if you have a husband or a wife. Inside of God's purpose, as you seek to do his will and to put him first, everything that you do, it absolutely matters. It absolutely counts. It is absolutely vital. It is so critical. You don't even know. You can't even imagine how critical your contribution is. You think that what you do is so small. You think that what you do that somebody else could do. That somebody else could do it better. That somebody else could, 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 could do it with more excellence. But you don't realize that in God's purpose that what you have to provide is critical. It is absolutely needed in this community at this time. And that if you hold back, if you sit on your hands, if you sit on your gift, if you sit on your calling and the burden of God that is in your life, that you will, you will not only deprive yourself, but you will deprive the entire community 
You deprive your family. You deprive, even I say, I dare say this nation. You know, there's so many illnesses and sicknesses that are around because people have folded their hands and have, and have given up on, on God's purpose. And these are people that, that, that would have been the cure, that would have found the answer to the question. There's so many people that are suffering because those that would call themselves the saints of God have folded their hands and sat on their hands when they should have been the one that were going to clothe the naked, that were going to feed the hungry, that were going to show forth mercy to those that needed mercy. You just don't know. God has a purpose and a design in mind inside a family. He says, I want to bless this earth. I want to bless the people that are in this earth. I don't have any desire for any to be lost. But I need for the families to be in position. I need for them to be prepared. I need for them to be able to do what I'm calling them to do. God has a definite design in mind. You know, we said that the word of God, it needs to be as a trumpet in your home. In the verses of 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 8. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 8, it reads, For if the trumpet give an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself to battle? So likewise ye accept ye utter by the tongue words easy to be understood, how is be known what is spoken. So ye shall speak into the air. It says, if the trumpet gives an uncertain sound, and when we're talking about the trumpet, we're talking about the word of God and godly counsel. That it needs to be a trumpet in your home. If you give forth an uncertain sound, an uncertain witness, an uncertain testimony of who God is and how faithful he is. That your home will not be prepared for the, for the trials, the tribulations, the battle that is to come. We talked about how the trumpet is used throughout scripture and how... Even now in this particular season, that this is the, the time of, the, of, of Rosh Hashanah. This is the time of the Feast of Trumpets. And this is a call for repentance. That the trumpet sounded, it, it signaled a gathering of those that would believe on the word of God. Those that would hearken unto the word of God. It was an announcement to a holy convocation. That the people would come in from all around from all nations, from all ethnicities, from all backgrounds, that they would gather in to, to assemble around the sound of the trumpet, to hear what the word of the Lord is saying to his people, that they would gather in and cleanse their hands and wash their garments so that they could be prepared for the work that God has for the people. This is the time of the trumpet. We said that a holy convocation is when people there are summoned, they are invited you know, the Holy Convocation, it marks the ending of one thing and the beginning of another. It marks an ending of one thing and beginning of another. You know, sometimes we will weep. But guess what? Weeping, it can only endure for it. There, it, it, there has to be an ending to one thing and a beginning for another. You have to make up in your mind that, you know what, there are some things in my life that I'm just going to have to put away. I'm going to have to consider and reckon that those things are now dead. That they are dead. There's nothing that I can do about that thing. And I need to move forward with God's purpose. 
with God's design, with God's plan. I can't change what's in the past. You know, God is the only one that can resurrect the dead. You cannot resurrect the dead. Those things that are dead, they are dead to you. There's nothing that you can do about it. If God doesn't change it, it's going to stay that way. Some relationships in your life, they are dead relationships. You're going to have to leave those relationships alone. There's some unions that you had that they are dead unions. They're no long, they're no, they no longer have any effect. They have, you no longer have any power or influence in that union anymore. They are dead. There's nothing that you can do. You can't change that. Per- you don't have a word for that person anymore. It's, it's gone. It's already over with. And unless God makes the difference, the difference won't be made. You need to now move forward into what God has called you to, into his purpose, into his design. So the Holy Convocation, it marks the, the ending of one thing and the beginning of a new thing. We said that our, our children, they need to be taught the value. Our children absolutely have to be taught the value of God's purpose and godly counsel. They have to value and respect the sound of the trumpet. Otherwise, they're going to try to argue. They're going to want to debate when they should be preparing themselves. They're going to have questions. And, and they're, going to, they're going to worry about small, small things. Instead of, worry, instead of moving forward in God's purpose and in His design. We said teaching is necessary. It is definitely needed. Because the desires of the flesh, they are contrary to the purposes of God. What comes natural to you, what you want to do, it is contrary to the purposes of God. Teaching is needed because the world system is contrary to the purposes of God. The system of rewards that this world has established, of benefits and bonuses that that it, it seeks to put in front of you, to dangle in front of you, they are contrary to the word of God. Teaching is absolutely needed because otherwise our children are going to waste their most precious commodity. They're going to waste their time trying to figure it out for themselves. They're going to be so caught up and entangled in their own dead works instead of moving forward with God's purpose. And when you sit on your hands, when you withhold, when you're lost and when you're confused, and when you do nothing, it's not you that suffers, but the entire community suffers. When you're not in position, it's not just you that suffers, but the entire community suffers. So the word of God and godly counsel needs to be as a trumpet in your home. We talked about Abraham and Lot. And we we read in Genesis chapter 12, verse verse 4, later on in Genesis chapter 12, where where Abraham, he departed, he left out from from his country. He left his kindred, he left his father's house. You know what he didn't leave behind? He didn't leave his wife Sarah behind, Sarai. He also, he didn't leave his substance behind. And he brought with him Lot. His brother's son, his nephew. And Lot, because Abram didn't have an heir, Lot was to be an heir to Abram. He was supposed to take part in all that was in Abram's house as a son. But, you know, there's something that happened along the way is that Abram and Lot, they both became successful. And that success 
while Abram, he continued to be a worshiper, he continued to, to serve God, it began to change Lot's heart. We said success in the eyes of man, it, it's, no, it's no substitute. It's not a replacement for God's purpose. Success in the eyes of men is no substitute for God's purpose. And I, I just love the, the, the young adult service that we, that we had where they were talking about how, how social media and, and the validation of it and how when people like what you put out there, when people heart, you know, and they, and they, give, they give you comments, that it, it gives you a, a rush inside. It gives you a, a sense of, 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 of well-being, like, oh, they really like me. They, really, they don't even know you. They don't, even, they, they don't know what God's purpose is for you. They don't, know what you were, they don't know what you were made to do. They don't know what you were designed to do. They have no concept of what your purpose is, what you were created for. You know, you can use a shooter to put a, a nail into a wall, but a hammer is so much better. A hammer, you can, you can, you can, you can misappropriate or mis, mis, you can misuse something and it'll last for a little while, but it won't hold up for long. And there's so many, there's so many better ways of getting it done. So success in the eyes of men, it's no replacement for God's purpose. We said that, that, you know, money and success, that they don't actually, when you look at the success, the success that someone has, that's, that doesn't tell you what their character is. It doesn't, it doesn't make you. But you know what? What it will do is it will reveal you. It will allow you to do some things that, you know, people might have thought that, that you would never have done. Both good and bad. It will allow you to give like people could not even imagine that you could give. But it could also allow you to covet and to hoard and to become jealous of. And envious of, in a way that people could, I didn't know that you could be that petty. I didn't know that you could be that small. Here we only have, you know, two things between us and you want both of them. There's no, there's no ability for you to share. There's, there's no generosity in your heart. You know, success, it could be a temptation for some because when you were, when you were broke and when you were constrained and when you were constrained in your parents' house, you had their rules. You had their 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 guidelines and their structure, and that and that that held you that held you in. It created a discipline for you, but you never took that discipline to heart. And so when you broke free, now the place that you would rather be is in the club. The place you would rather be is out in the streets, and it's not in the house of God. The thing that you when you were broke, you had to be very mindful and very intentional about how every every penny was spent. And you were very careful about those things, but now you got it, and you got, you got stacks up to the wall, and now any impulse that you see, anything that, anything that you see, you just want to put your hands on it. And now it's not just what you have that you spent, but you spent your, on, your, on your credit. You spent, you spent now you are, you're in debt, you're deep in the hole, and you can't stop yourself. You can't stop that impulse, because that, that same, that, that rush of adrenaline that you got, from acquiring, from getting, it's still, it's still feeding you. You're like a, a, a drug addict. You're just looking for another hit. I just want to go to Amazon. I want to go to Home Shopping Network. I got to go out to the store. I got another card in the mail. Yay! I can spend some more. You find yourself being validated externally and not by 
That's not what you were designed for. That's not what you were purposed for. You know, Abram, you can, we can learn from Abram. He learns to live in the land where God has placed him. He learns to make that land prosper, to make it work for him. He learns to be productive in the place where God has placed him. But he never identifies with the land. He ne- he's always called a Hebrew. He's the man from over there. He's the man that's not like all the other men. He's the worshiper. Abram all, is always he's called the worshiper. By, by, that, that's his reputation. That's his rep. They never say, oh yeah, Abram, he's just like the rest of us. They say, no, he, you know what? He's, he's the one that's different. He's the one that's not the same. And you know what? He's the worshiper. He's the worshiper. Abram is called a friend of God. He believed God and ordered his home and himself accordingly. His integrity, it was such that proven men were willing to humble themselves based on the revelation that he received. When, when God changed his name from Abram to Abraham and he cut covenant with himself on behalf of Abraham and his seed. And he says that, that circumcision would be the sign that, that you'd also entered into this covenant. Abraham was 99 years old and he circumcised himself. His son was 13 years old. And he circumcised his son. He circumcised all the men in his household. These were men of war, proven men. These were not, these were not hangers-on. These were not codependent men. These were men that were strong men, that had their own homes and their own households. And they said, you know what? Because of your integrity, Abraham, because of what you've demonstrated, your faithfulness, based on what God has told you, we believe you. We believe what God has told you and we're willing to humble ourselves, to place ourselves under. We talked about Lot wanting to not be a son but to be a brother. And one thing I wanted to point out that this is not about hierarchy. Don't get it twisted. Don't get your mind confused that this is about who's better than somebody else. Because Lot didn't want to be a son, he wanted to be a brother. We said that the better position is to be a son. The better position is to place yourself under God's delegated authority. So I don't care about our family connections. That doesn't even come into play. What, I, what I'm concerned about is that, is that it all, all the glory belongs to God. That His purpose is done. It's not about who's the greatest and who's the best. And who's the strongest and who's the fastest. Who's the richest and who's the smartest. You know, those are arbitrary things that we place out there. But it's about his purpose, his design, what God has called us to as a community. There should be no envying among the brethren about positions, about status, about what you've been called to do and what someone else has been called to do. Become as a son and place yourself under. These are, these are hardy men, hard men. These are rough men. Men that if they came in here, you all might get a little uncomfortable because their hands are not smooth. They got calluses on their hands. These are working men. And they're like, you know what? Because of the integrity of this man, because of what we have seen, we didn't have to go to school to learn this. We can see it demonstrated in his life. 
we're willing to humble ourselves, to place ourselves under. Have you not seen integrity? Have you not seen faithfulness? If you've seen it, you should be able to place yourself under. You should be able to submit yourself to the Word of God. Has God not been true in your life? Has He not been faithful to your family? Has He not demonstrated Himself from generation to generation? Then how can we, how can we sit on our hands and refuse to bend the knee and refuse to make ourselves low and take on the position of the worshiper? How can we take on the colors of this, of this current society? How can we take on the uniform of this current nation and say, that's where I find my identity, that's where I belong? No, we, we are to be the people from over there. We are to be the people that are worshipers. Those that are different. We are in the land, but we are not of the land. Our children need to see that we are in this land. We can make this land produce, but we, this is not where our identity is found. Our identity is found in, in, in Christ and Christ alone. You know, in Romans chapter 2, go to verse 14, Romans 2 and 14. It says, For when the Gentiles which have not the law do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law, are law unto themselves. Jump down to verse 27. And shall not uncircumcision, which is by nature, if it fulfill the law, judge thee, who by the letter and circumcision does transgress the law. For he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision, which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew, which is one inwardly in circumcision that is of the heart. And circumcision that is of the heart. And circumcision that is of the heart. In the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. You shouldn't be surprised for a minute. When there are some that have no church experience. Rough people. People that, that, that come in and they don't even know how to act. But guess what? They've had an experience with the Word of God. And they've turned to God with their whole heart. While others among us who've heard the Word from a young, from a young age, from a young age, we haven't, we haven't fully changed. We haven't fully changed because we've not given the Lord our whole heart. We just understand the form, but there's no substance behind it. Abraham demonstrates his faithfulness by being in position. He is prepared and he is purposeful to accomplish the will of God. So what I wanted to get into today is to talk about Lot. <clears throat> and Lot, he doesn't, he plays, I'm not going to say he places no value. What I'll say is that he places little value. But guess what? If you just place a little value and you haven't given the Lord your whole heart, it's as though you place no value. You're going you're gonna to stand up in the last day and say, Lord, I did all these things in your name. I spoke these prophecies and I cast out demons. And he's going to say, I never knew you. I never knew you. I, never, I, I was never intimate with you. 
I was never in relationship with you. You'll be, at, you'll be as the seven sons of Sceva. And they'll say, you know what? Paul, we know. We've heard about Jesus, but who are you? And those devils whooped them up. Locke, he placed little value in the word of God and godly counsel. He knew the things to do and the words to say, but there was no power in his witness. There was no power in his witness. You know, your power comes when people expect one thing from you. They expect, you know what, that, that I'm, trying to, I'm trying to give you this. This is, this is a, a benefit to you. I'm doing a favor for you. You say, you know what, I love you, baby, but that's not in the will of God. I can't accept that. I cannot accept what you consider to be kindness because it is outside of God's purpose. It's outside. I remember a sister um, that was ministering up here before. She would talk about how, you know, family, family is, is, is so subtle. They're so subtle in, in, in their ways. She said that her family would try, they would try and play barbecues on Sunday. And they would try to make her feel guilty and say, well, why don't you come out to the barbecue that we're having? We're all going to be around, sitting around, and we're going to be talking and, and, and fellowshipping around. Say, so, you know what, baby? I love you. But my Sunday is already committed. My day, my day is already committed to the purposes of God. You know what? We can, we can love each other on Saturday. I'm getting off early. We can love each other on Monday. Guess what? Friday is free. But this day, this day, it's already committed. If you want to love me, love who I love. If you want to show love to me, love who I love. You can't give me a gift that's going to that's gonna be something that is reprehensible to me. Why is that? My children know that I'm allergic to shellfish. They cannot give me a shrimp buffet and say, you know what? We love you, Dad. Show your love. Show your love. Love what I love. If you want to show your love to me, love what I love. If you don't love what I love, then do you love me? Love what I love. That's how you show your love. Lot understands the form, but he's not in a position where God can use him effectively. Let's look at, I want to I compare a couple of things. Let's look, first look at Genesis chapter 19, verse 1. Genesis chapter 19. And I'm just going to go for it. It says, And there came two angels to Sodom at even, and Lot sat in the gate, of Sodom, and Lot, seeing them, rose up to meet them, and he bowed himself to his, with his face toward the ground. These two angels are coming to Sodom. They're coming to warn Lot. He recognizes these strangers. He says, you know what? I know what the right thing to do is. He gets up, and he takes on a position of worship. He makes himself low in their presence. Let's compare this. Jump, just turn back a page. We're going to read Genesis chapter 18. We want to understand. We want to get a, a revelation on these visitors. Genesis 18. Starting at verse 1. It says, And the Lord appeared unto him. This is the Lord is appearing unto Abraham. In the plains of Mamre. And sat. And he sat. This is Abraham. Sat in the tent door in the heat of the day. And he lifted up his eyes. This is Abraham. He lifted up his eyes and looked. And lo, it says three men stood by him. 
And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself toward the ground. Abram sees three men and he goes up and he bows himself to the ground. Now, if you remember in, in, in Genesis chapter 19, verse 1, it says that, that there came two angels to Sodom and they came to visit Lot. He says, Brother Eberhard, I see what, he, what he's talking about. Did you notice that there were, there were three? There were three that came to visit Abraham. But there was only two that came to visit Lot. What does that mean? What I want you all to get out of that is that when they came to visit Abraham, they came with promises and direction for his life and for his family. They came with insight and warning to him about what was happening in the community all about him. But when they came, when they came to, to Lot, there were only two. There were only two. Who was missing? The Lord was missing. There were only the angels that came to Lot. And those angels only came to warn Lot. You need to understand this. Is that your children, your family members that are not saved, they are not receiving direction from God on what they should do with their life. They are not receiving insight with God into their businesses and how he's going to make their businesses prosper. They're not receiving direction from God on where they should live. You know what? I hate this. They're not receiving insight from God into who they should marry. The three angels only appeared to Abraham because he was in covenant. He had already submitted himself to the work. He had already submitted himself to the covenant. He had already taken heed and listened to the sound of the trumpet. And had taken godly counsel to heart. God is only showing his purposes and his plans in the designs of his kingdom to those that will bow themselves before him. He is not giving direction to the ungodly. He is not showing the blueprints of the kingdom to those that are outside of the covenants. You know what? Don't buy that story. Don't buy that line that, well, you know, this is what God is telling me to do. God is not telling you to do that because you are not in position you're not in the place where God can speak to you. Telling you to do those things. He's not telling you to go there. He is not telling you to start that business. He is not telling you to marry that woman. He is not telling you to marry that man. God is not saying that to you. Because you are not in position. When you are not in position, the only thing that God is saying to you, He's saying, repent. Turn to me. Return to me and I will return to you. Come to me and I will come to you. We, we sometimes, we, we, we get so religious and so, and, so, and so spiritual. We want to ascribe holy things to that which is not holy. We want to ascribe holy counsel to that which is not holy counsel. It says, well, you know what? Maybe God is leading them in this direction. Maybe God is leading. He's not. Settle it in your hearts. He is not leading them in that direction. He is not leading them in those ways. The only thing that God is saying to those that are outside of the covenant, He's saying, repent. Return to me. Get in position. Get into a place where I can use you. Get into a place where I can speak to you. And where you can hear from me. Go to Second Peter.
I want you guys to go to Second Peter, chapter two. We're gonna we're gonna be at verse seven in a minute, and I'm gonna meet you there. You know the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long suffering. It's seen in the word of warning. It's seen in the sound of the trumpet. Romans chapter 2 and 4 says, Oh, despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. Would you make light? Would you mock? Would you laugh at his goodness, his forbearance? He's held back his wrath, his longsuffering. He's been so patient with you. He's been so patient with you. He's extended his mercy towards you. Why is that? Because he wants you to repent. He desires you. He desires you that you would not be lost. But guess what? Lot's son-in-laws, they mocked him. They despised his witness. They despised his testimony. Your character is going to be the primary witness for your family. Make sure, make sure that the life that you live is not as an uncertain sound. That is not a wishy-washy relationship. Make sure that your life that you live is as a certain sound. That it reflects the image and character of God. In Genesis 19 and 14 it says Ab- that Lot he went out and he spoke to his son-in-laws. Which married his daughters. And so if you're my son-in-law, guess what? You're my son. And all that God has for me should also be it, should be, it should be made evident in your life. All of the covenant blessings should be in your life as well. Lot goes to his son-in-laws that married his daughters and said, Get up. Get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But he seemed as, as, as one that mocked into his son-in-laws. As his sons-in-laws. Just look at the difference. Here Abraham was able to speak a word to these hard men. And they were able to humble themselves. Because Abraham was a worshiper. He demonstrated faithfulness and integrity in all that he had and all that he did. But here Lot is. These are people that are supposed to be in his own house. That are supposed to be partakers of everything that he has. And he goes to them and says, this is the word of the Lord. He is this one that, that, that mocked. They laughed at him. They laughed in his face. They laughed in his face. You know, I'm always, I'm always disturbed and I'm always grieved when I see parents that are, that are trying to instruct their older children. And they're just not hearing it. They're just not listening to them. They're trying to give them a word. They're trying to give them some insight. And they're not, they're not hearing it. They're not listening to them. I'm like, don't you, can't you, can't you see can't you see the danger that is coming your way? Can't you see that the sword is about to fall on your head? And you won't listen to what? You won't listen to the counsel? You won't hear? Now, yes, the person that's here, it's your responsibility. The person that's speaking, you're responsible also. Continue to live a life of integrity. Don't compromise for a second. Don't compromise for a second. Those unruly headstrong children that you raised that came up in your house when you should have had oxes you didn't raise mules 
Don't compromise for a second the word of God. Make sure that you, that you are sounding a true sound. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 7. You all should already be there. And deliberate just lot. That's with the filthy conversation of the wicked. For the righteous men dwelling among them and seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. You know, when we see just translated, it means righteous. It means right. In right position, it means meet. It means suitable. But when you look at it in the context of this scripture, you can also take a look at it as being those who, see to them, who seem to themselves to be righteous, who pride themselves to be righteous, who pride themselves in their virtues, whether real or imagined. Whether real or imagined. We cry out, but the Lord, he doesn't hear. We cry out, but the Lord does not hear. Go to Isaiah chapter 1. Lot sounded the trumpet, but no one came to, no one gathered in. No one gathered in when he sounded the trumpet, when he gave forth the warning. Isaiah chapter 1. I'm just going to read verse, starting with verse 10. It says, Hear the word of the Lord, ye rulers of Sodom. Give ear unto the law of our God, ye people of Gomorrah. Jump down to four, verse 14. Your new moons and your appointed feasts my soul hath hated. They are a trouble unto me. I am weary to bear them. You've gathered in. You've assembled yourselves into the holy convocation. But there's no power. You're not getting anything out of it. You've assembled yourselves in at the sound of the trumpet, but there, there, there's, there's, there's nothing. You're supposed to be going from what was old into what was new, but you're still hanging on to what was old. The change hasn't happened for you. You've seen my mighty works. You've seen the mighty acts of God. But there's no power in your life. You're still stuck in the same cycles going over and over and over again. Your new moons and your appointed feasts, my soul hateth. They are a trouble unto me. I am weary to bear them. And when you spread forth your hands... When you send forth your prayers, when you lift up your voices unto me, I will hide mine eyes from you. Yea, when you make many prayers, I will not hear, because your hands are full of blood. In the tabernacle of old, they would put incense, they would light the incense. And those incense were as prayers that ascended. And those incense were, were, were lifted continually. But guess what? Incense doesn't just burn all by itself. It needs, it needs fire to burn. Incense doesn't burn all by itself. It needs fire to burn. And where did that fire come from? 
they went, the, the priests, they went to the brazen altar, to the place of repentance, where the sacrifice had been slain, where people had identified and humbled themselves in an act of worship. Where they say, I identify with this innocent victim, and I place my sins on Jesus Christ. And as Christ is slain, now I can take, I, I can take his righteousness. And the coals were taken from that brazen altar. And that, that those were the coals that were used to light the incense. Why, why are your prayers not being heard? Why is there no incense going up to God? It's because your heart hasn't changed. There's, been no, there's, there's no fire. There's nothing at the brazen altar. There's nothing at that altar of repentance. Where you've said, God, I'm laying it all down. I'm humbling myself down to you. Hear my prayers that ascend up to heaven. So how do we make the corrections? In order for the word of God and godly counsel to be a trumpet in your home. In order for the word of God and godly counsel to be a trumpet in your home. We're going to have to come back. We're going to have to apply ourselves to worship. We're going to have to apply ourselves to worship. That's the only way. We're going to have to make ourselves low. We'll talk about this some more next time. We're going to have to make ourselves low. We're going to have to bow ourselves down. We're going to have to make ourselves prostrate. Completely vulnerable. Completely available. Completely able to be used. We're going to have to be in position and prepared. Ready to be used. Purposeful. To want the one that is greater than us. There has to be a reverence. There has to be a fear in our hearts. A deep concern, a deep attentiveness, a deep attentiveness. Your children should hear your voice as the voice of the Lord. Your children should hear your voice as the voice of the Lord. If they don't, they will always question the voice of the Lord. We talked before about people that were not in position, about how, how much was lost. If your children don't hear your voice as the voice of the Lord, they will always question. They'll question delegated authority. They will question what God is speaking to them, even in their prayer times. They will find it harder to let go of those things they should let go of, to prepare themselves. Why is that? Because when they should have been learning and training their ear to hear the sound of the trumpet, when they should have been learning that, you know what, God, as soon as you speak it, I'm going to do it. As soon as you speak it, I'm going to do it. As soon as you speak it, I'm going to do it. Because you were so wishy-washy and unstable in your ways. Now they have no idea where to put their confidence, how to put their trust. Yes, they can overcome it. Yes, they can find godly examples, but guess what? God designed this thing. God, he made this thing a certain way. 
He fashioned this thing a certain way so that parents would teach their children to follow after godly counsel. So your children have to be able to hear the voice of God when they hear your voice. They should be like Eli when he was asleep and Samuel came to him. And Eli, Eli was like, Samuel, why are you coming to wake me up? Why are you coming to wake me up? Why are you coming to wake me up? And finally, it dawned and said, you know what? I know you think you hear my voice. But the next time you hear that voice talking to you, ask, say, God, here I am. Here I am, Lord. What would you have of me? Because Samuel wasn't hearing Eli's voice. He thought he was hearing Eli's voice. But he was actually hearing the voice of God. Your children need to hear your voice as the voice of God because of the example that you set, because of the consistency and faithfulness that you've established in your home. Amen. Stand to your feet. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net. Thank you.